This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 445. It's not just the idea, it's an idea acted upon that is is the powerful thing, you know? And that's that's another thing. Successful people don't procrastinate. They take massive action. Well, the people take action, you know, they don't just think about it. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? It's Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. David Green. David, how is the Maui condo search going? I know you're looking for something. Yes, it's been fruitful. I got to meet with Josh Dorkin, actually. We had a good little talk walking around Hawaii, nice. and uh, I put one place under contract. I have a couple more. I'm closing in on number two. And then there's Ooh. a whole nother complex I'm going to start looking at. So I'm going to be in Hawaii a lot more, it looks like. Fancy, fancy, fancy. I'm uh, looking forward to having you out here more. Because we, uh, I really enjoy doing the podcast with you in person. I mean, obviously, right now we're on Zoom, which is great. But man, in person, it's a lot of fun. But uh, even if we only get to do it on Zoom, we still get amazing guests like today's guest. You like that transition? Very nice. Today's guest is a buddy of mine who, when I first met him, I was like total fangirling because he is a musician that I actually listen to quite a bit. So uh, he is a, uh, I would call it hip hop slash rock. He's got a, a several kind of genres that he does. Uh, his stage name is Manifest, M-A-N-A-F-E-S-T, Manifest. Uh, been heard him on the radio many, many times. Uh, he's worked with a lot of big other artists. Anyway, super cool guy. And I met him because he was at a real estate event that uh, that my buddy Seth put on down in Tennessee. And so we got to talking and then after like an hour long conversation, I figured out who he was. And then I was like, what? Anyway, so now here we are two years later and I've been begging him to come on the show to talk. And he finally came on the Bigger Pockets podcast to the Bigger Pockets podcast. That's her name, right? I think I did. To uh, You're to, still in to fangirl share. mode. I guess I'm still in fangirl mode. Enough talking from me, David. Uh, yeah, today's show. It was fun. Chris does a lot of good for other musicians. That's one of the reasons we wanted to bring him on is he's really figured out how to solve the problem of musicians not being able to earn revenue yeah. from other income streams. And he's also very good at, at teaching. He does some online work where he shows people how to do stuff. And big surprise, he invested in real estate. So yep. we got a lot of really good mindset stuff, a lot of really good business stuff and some good real estate advice, specifically when it comes to turnkey versus not turnkey or cash yep. flow versus equity. I thought that there was some good content there. Yeah, really good stuff there. So uh, I'm pumped to get into it. But before we get there, let's get to today's quick tip. So one of the topics we spent some time on today was knowing your highest and best use when it comes to investing in real estate. Meaning like Chris makes a lot of money as a musician, also in the online uh, education space. And so like his way of investing is very different than what maybe mine was at the beginning when I didn't make any money. I was working at a, you know, Cold Stone Creamery in the very beginning. And so the like the way to it. So what I, the quick tip today is ask yourself, are you currently focusing on your highest and best real estate use? That's the question I have for you. And if you're if and if you don't know what that means, listen to today's show. You'll figure that out. Uh, but that would be my quick tip. Anything you want That's to a that? good question for anything in life. In your business, is, are yeah, you at your yeah. highest and best use? In your relationship, are you at yeah. your highest and best use? I know this year I'm planning on putting some money into Brandon's fund as well as a couple others because Ooh. I don't have enough well, time you. to look for deals specifically for myself and I'm going to make money through your work. So thank you for yeah. offering me that. But <laughs> that's a great example <laughs> of how thank to you. use your highest and best use. Yeah, exactly. Some people should be out there like pounding the pavement, going door knocking. Some people should be sitting there putting their money with somebody else. Some people should be buying turnkey. Some people should be investing in a REIT. Some people should be only doing the stock market, not even touching real estate. 
everyone's got a different path. Only you can know yours. So the quick tip is figure out what your path is. And today's show should help with that a little bit. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And now I think it's time to get into this uh, interview with Chris Greenwood, also known as Manifest. And uh, Chris is going to share a ton of great stuff today. Uh, again, a top 40 billboard charting uh, artist. Uh, he's got 10 studio albums. He owns uh, with almost a dozen rental properties, lives in Canada, uh, but also lives in the U.S. Uh, or had lived in the U.S. and invests in U.S. real estate mostly. So you're going to hear a lot of good stuff today. Uh, without further ado, anything you want to add, David? No, just check out his music. Right, maybe right before you listen to the interview, it'd be kind of cool if you heard one of his songs before we. Uh, yeah, pull up him. Spotify real quick and uh, and listen to something from Manifest. M A N A F E S T. Do you have a favorite song from? Manifest? I like Impossible, Avalanche, and No Plan B. My favorite, probably Every Time You Run. I think uh, I really like that one a lot. So, check it out, everyone. And with that said, let's get to today's interview. Chris, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast, man. It's awesome to have you here. Yeah, super stoked, man. Can't wait. Yeah, so you and I have been talking now for the last several years. We're in a little accountability, you know, mastermind group together with uh, Seth Mosley, uh, who's also been on the show. Uh, and I've been, we've been talking about this day for I don't know two years now. I've been like, we got to get you on the show because you got some cool stuff going on in your life, and you've got some cool stuff figured out. And uh, that's what we're going to dig into today. So uh, I'm honored to have you. So with that said, who are you, man? <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, like what's this, what's this rap? What's this rap? This rap or hip hop? Like, what do you what do you call what you do? And how'd you get into that? You know, it's funny, man. Like, you know, I've always been in the entrepreneur niche, kind of, you know, trying to create stuff, you know, from the paper route to shoveling driveways, which, you know, she goes shovel some driveways right now because there's so much yeah. snow. But uh, I've been doing music for like, I guess, full time for over 15 years. Um, I was an IT guy before that. A lot of people didn't know. I was a Microsoft certified systems engineer. What's up, uh, South, uh, the Bay Area, <laughs> David? Um, but uh, yeah, I did that for a long time. And while I was living at home, I like, had a really good job and uh, you know, was making good money. And I funneled that into my music career to kind of really get it started. And uh, I went from, I had such a cool place that I worked for. They allowed me to go from five days a week to let me have Fridays off so I could go play more shows. And this was like a salary job. Like I was like the, the network engineer guy. And so I had Fridays off. And then I remember I had the guts to ask for another day off and went to three days. And then I think I asked for a leaf of absences. So I really tried to slowly leave. And then of course I eventually quit my job and went broke trying to be a musician and make it music and, um, you know, figured out a lot of stuff, signed a really bad record deal, um, learned how to market and sell my music on my own and, you know, just figured it out, went to radio, had some success, wrote some, wrote some great songs. And, you know, our first success was actually in Japan, believe it or not. I was this close, like, like so close, like coming off a tour broke during Christmas time. Cause it was a tour we bought onto. A lot of people don't know when you see an artist tour, like they might not be getting paid, you know, they might've actually wow. been paying. I have no idea. And in this tour, I was paying $150 a night for a 15 minute set, but it wasn't even a 15 minute set. They cut it in snippets. So I was like the, the MC slash performing a song in between the artists. So I didn't <laughs> even get a full set, but it gets even better. They made the, the time margin so small that dudes were setting up behind me while I was singing, <laughs> bumping into me. Okay. And who knows, like, and cause we were chatting before this is David, my song impossible. That was one of the songs I was performing, like people bumping into me while I'm singing this hit that wasn't a hit yet. And I'm like, <laughs> get off that tour. Just like, what am I doing? Making no money. Could have been making whatever I was making at my job. It's like, I don't gotta be here. Why, why am I here? And, and you're here for the dream, right? Push fast forward four or five months, we blew up in Japan, selling like 10,000 albums a week and breathed new life into my career. Things took off and um, and yeah, and I was able to continue to, you know, write better songs and learn how to market my music and keep doing this thing, which I've been so blessed to do. So before we get into the the world of like, you know, real estate and personal development and what you've learned about debt and, and leverage and all that stuff that I want to cover today, I've got a whole list of things to talk to you about. I'm curious about this idea of like, quitting your job to pursue your passion because that yeah. terrifies most people yeah. uh whether they want to start a real estate business they want to go flip houses they want to go start a internet you know youtube channel whatever that thing is uh, how did you overcome that fear i guess how did you overcome that fear and then what advice do you have for people today that are in those shoes of like i have a stable job right now i i like this money uh i guess what do you what do you have to say to those people well, I'll say that like I was married too at that point when I when I quit. I just gotten married. We bought our first property, which is a condo, a little uh, one plus den, and uh, and uh, so I had that on the back of my mind. And all I did before quitting the job was like I hired some manager and said, "Hey, as long as you can make me this amount of money, um, I'm going to do it." And I wanted it so bad dude that it was like 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 stupidity, whatever it was. Like I just. 
I kind of like forced the dream to almost happen. And so there wasn't any fear because it was just like, like I just wanted it so bad. Right. But if I could go back, I would not have quit my job so fast, man. I would have, I would have stayed three days. I would have taken a few more leaves of that leaf of absences and just slowed it down a little bit. And so like, I encourage people to quit your, quit their jobs and stuff, but make sure that other income is there first. I think it was Grant Cardone. You don't kill one income or you don't like try and build another one until this other one is built, but also sustained. Like I, I cut that income off. Plus I was went into debt and I also bought like another vehicle as well too. And I bought it on a credit line. So I bought all these things that weren't making me money. And then I signed a record deal, which, you know, signed all my rights away from my music. And so instead of getting paid every week, the label would pay me twice a year if I sold albums. And so I encourage people like sometimes you got to feel the fear and do it afraid, but, but be wise, be prudent, plan it out, you know, but still, but still jump, man. Like you still got to jump, like don't procrastinate. There's, there's a difference, right? That's a really good point. I want to jump in really quick before Brandon keeps going and Brandon, hold your thought. Chris, I want to ask you, do you feel like the decision to take the deal with the record label, which you've later described as not a good deal, might have been influenced or affected by the emotions that came from, I don't have an income stream. I left that job too soon. I need to jump in and do this. Or were they unrelated? The, The label didn't give me even an advance when I signed. So that's the other crazy thing. Like we paid for the record and I thought I was going to be a rock rap star, right? Like yeah. I thought, cause mm-hmm. I signed and that lab- that did open doors. Like it did open doors to Japan and stuff like that. But like, I thought once I got signed that like, that was the end of the journey. But what I realized that was the beginning of the journey, mm-hmm. you know? And a lot of people, you know, think like that's, that's the end. Like now everything is going to work out, but there's just so much more, right? But would you have taken more time to read through it, maybe sought counsel from other people if you still had your job and you still had income coming in, do you think? Man, like, I, I think I, I was like driving around to construction sites, installing networks and stuff like that. And I remember like listening to Switchfoot's album, uh, uh-huh. The Beautiful Letdown. Yeah. Uh, I uh-huh. forget what that, that big song was. We were meant, it was to, a meant to live. So much yeah. And, and I remember just like driving and just being like, I don't want to be here. I want to be doing music full time. And I remember a manager even said to me, he's like, dude, you got a great job. You can, you know, put it into your music career. And I'm like, no, I have to be doing it full time. I have to be doing it full time. And I bet you people are listening to this right now as far as real estate. They're like, oh, I got to quit my job and do real estate full time. But then they are so stressed out about trying to find deals. And then they start making poor decisions Mm -hmm. as opposed if they had that income and built it slowly and, and, and then it, it without the stress and then the headaches, right? Like that's the same, that's basically what I did with music and I made it work, man, but dude, sleeping on the floors, you know, skipping meals, sleeping on hotel room floors and in the car driving through the nights, like, you know, I would do it differently if I could go back in time, you know, I just like, you know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting because like on one side, it's the whole like jump and build your parachute on the way down, right? Some people will say just, you know, you know, burn this, burn your ships, jump in, do what you got to do. And that will give you the, the motivation to continue. But the other side of it, like that, that, that only works. I feel like those stories of when that works oftentimes are the exception, not the rule, right? You don't hear about the guy who quit his job, built a real estate empire. I mean, we don't bring them back on the show here on the bigger pockets podcast when they come and tell us that they quit their job. And then a year later, they're back working at, you know, KFC. Like we don't bring them back in the show to be like, tell us how you got that job at KFC. Like we don't, we don't go there. We only hear the highlights of like the people who actually succeeded. So it's almost like a, uh, what's that phrase? I don't know. Like 
success. Yeah, bias. exactly. Yeah. Success bias. So we hear right. that successes. So it's, I, I love that point you're making. It's like, you don't have to quit your job. Most jobs, I want to say, I don't know, maybe I'd say most. If you're good at your job, most jobs would allow you to be a little bit flexible with the hours, like a little bit yeah. to a certain degree. And if not, that's where we we're like, okay, fine, go get another job that is flexible. Even if it pays less money, at least you have the income coming yeah. in. Go be a real estate agent if that's what you're into. Go like sell, I don't know, vacuum cleaners. I don't know, whatever it is. Something that you like, but that gives you flexibility. Yeah, and try borrowing money self-employed as opposed to with the job, <laughs> all right? I've, I've been on both sides of it. And some reason, when you have a salary job, it's just like, oh, we'll give you as much money as you want. Yeah, as soon as like, you're hey, self-employed, they, as, they assume that you're just, you know, and then it's like Fort Knox, man. You got to provide uh-huh. every single <laughs> report and document possible to your second child. And it's so true. It's funny that you're saying this because Brandon and I both constantly, yeah. this is like, what would you call it? A pet peeve, Brandon, yeah. when we have to deal with yeah. banks and they're just, hey, like, oh, I just need 97 yeah. pages. Yeah. Last of- November, a year and a half ago, you spent $12 and 17 cents at a 7-Eleven out in New York City. <laughs> uh, we're going to see that receipt and figure out what you, what you bought for that. And you're like, <laughs> it was like... It, it was like nachos. Like I got some nachos at the gas station. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to need to see a receipt for that. So yeah, I totally feel you there. It's, it's yeah. horrendous. Well, what I love about what you're saying, Chris, is it doesn't have to be a binary option. Something about when we're in a fearful place, your brain wants to take everything and turn it into, well, do I, do I live my dream or do I just get stuck in a cubicle and kill yeah, my yeah. soul as if that's your only two options? And that's not really reality. Yeah, totally, man. I was just reading this book talking about how, you know, uh, you, you're, you're ha- you choose to be happy now, you know, having success isn't going to make you happy when you're happy. That is success kind of thing. And it's like, we think that, yeah. you know, this destination is going to make us happy. It's like, no, enjoy the journey. Like, you know, I kind of miss the fight sometimes uh-huh. now. And, you know, you sometimes get, get jaded and, you know, it's the same thing with like everything, like your first deal and the excitement and whatever. And then now you've done it all the time and now it's numbers. Right. Yep. And so it's just, it's just different. It's like hearing a song for the first time. It's like, you know, you, you only get that one listen, right? Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. So, so on that, let's talk about the first deal. You mentioned first deal. What was your first real estate deal? What that look like? The first, uh, I guess, deal we did was our was our condo when we moved into it. And instead of selling it, uh, we got this idea. I think from uh, I think it was David Bach or some story of this. Fam- I think get uh, start late, finish rich or yeah. something. I read this story about this family. They they would buy a house, they lived in it, and instead of selling it, they rented it out. And so I think I got that, that idea from that. And so I remember we wanted to move into something bigger. And so we just rented it out and it was easy. And it was so cool as our bankers, ex-husband rented it out so we got a great tenant and he was just awesome dude like the only time he called was to give us more checks and uh and we had that condo for for forever and then we did it again when um in the next house um then we moved from canada to california and that was a little scarier and we had a manager for that one and that was that was rough that the first the first tenant in there was rough they they put everything down like a doctor and this dude's legit income but he didn't say he had uh two kids for some reason when they moved in they had like five or seven oh. or something like that and it just <laughs> <laughs> so he was out pretty quick wow what 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 else like what could you have done differently in that first in that first deal that went wrong because a lot of people or not the first deal that went wrong the second deal i guess you did that just was rough a lot of people are afraid of getting into real estate because they're like, well, what if something goes wrong in the my first deal or second deal? Yeah. And you know, it's funny. Like I was saying to Kevin earlier is that like, you know, 
horror stories and the bad stories, the bad news travels faster than the good news. Yeah. And I think that's why there's this rap about oh toilets and all this stuff. Uh-huh, like uh-huh. I've been doing this for a long time. Barely anything has ever gone wrong. Like it's yeah. always <laughs> like it's it's really not, but these stories of stuff goes wrong. And our management company that you know got these guys on, he's like, look, they look good on paper, everything was perfect. And um, I remember he's like He's like, sometimes you just get that rare oddity yep. of, of a person, you know, like you just can't help it. Like no matter what you do, you could check it all. But yep. I remember saying, Chris, this is like the story we tell at campfires. Like we still talk <laughs> about that one, like bad 10. He's like, Chris, I wouldn't sell that guy a million dollar home. He's yeah. just like, he's just like, you know, um, I don't honestly, there isn't anything we could have done different because they, they moved out pretty quick. Yeah. And then we got a new tenant in there and then it was just smooth sailing after that. Um, well, I, you know. I, I want to make this point because I think it's you just made it. I'm just going to add on to it is that these stories that you hear, like the toilet stories or whatever, like even I've told my I've told a couple toilet stories here on the sh- on the show before. They're like I've got like two stories over a 15 year career. That is because I put myself, first of all, into those positions. And second of all, in mm. the moment, they weren't that crazy because they didn't happen in a 30 second story. You know what I mean? Like like. Bad stories, even bad tenants. I've had tenants I've had to evict, and I've had like a tenant that once threatened to. She wrote a note that said, "If you touch my stuff, I'm gonna murder you." Like she was a crazy lady, but like <laughs> even like stories like that, that that situation. I'll tell you that that was probably the worst tenant I ever had. Was this crazy lady stopped paying rent? She was on Section Eight, but then she wouldn't let the Section Eight like which is like our like you know government um they program whatever yeah housing. housing program anyway. So they wouldn't let the inspectors in, so they canceled their Section Eight. So now she couldn't she wasn't paying us. She went nuts like there was, you know, governments listening to her through the wires in her walls kind of nuts. And then uh, we do a Victor. They, they moved out her stuff. Uh, she threatened us, whatever. And then my wife and I actually cleaned that house of so much like mouse and cockroach poop uh, and then ourselves. And then we emptied it out. We brought everything to the dump. We got it re-rented. It looks beautiful. And today I think cash flows like crazy. Now that took me 30 seconds to tell that story. That That was over the course of a month, though. And it wasn't that bad when I was in it. It was just like, okay, we just, what's the next step? We got to do this. What's the next step? We got to do that. And honestly, I wouldn't have had to clean this stuff. I could have hired someone to do it. I just was young and scrappy at the time. That's like my equivalent of like you saying, like you slept on the floor of, you know, cars or you're traveling, right? Like when you're in those moments, they're not really usually that bad as, as a story might make them be, but they make you into the kind of person that you later become when you do have to go through them. So I don't, I just want to encourage people like, don't get scared off by that stuff. It's really not that bad. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's nothing compared to the the advantages yeah. and the appreciation and the income and like the, the the risks are so like nothing. And just because I read this the other day and I just thought it was so cool is that, you know, the reason why you don't hear successful people winning the lottery is because successful people don't buy lottery tickets and, and people <laughs> will say, you know, but, but yet unsuccessful people buy them and the, the risk is and yeah. the, the chances of winning are like so small. Yeah. And yet when we say go invest in real estate, like, oh, no, it's too yeah. risky. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I was thinking when you were talking about the toilet thing, we say that because this is the stereotypical. What are you going to do when the toilet breaks at two in the morning and the tenant wakes you up? And I just thought for myself, why doesn't that stop anyone from buying a house for themselves? Yeah. Toilets would break in your house the same as they'd break at the tenant's house. Not one person's ever said, I don't want to buy a house because my toilet could break (laughs) at two in the morning, right? But that becomes the excuse for why we don't. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't know why I never thought about that. It's never stopped anyone from buying a primary residence. Why would why would it stop you buying a rental? That's funny. That's funny. All right. So what what came next then? You you got I know you got at some point got heavier into real estate. So how did that happen? 
Yeah. Uh, well, just from from reading books and just diving into it and just getting, you know, in, inspired and, you know, music took over for a little while, but then I was like, okay, you know, making some money. I really, you know, believe it's a good place to, to put money in and to, to, to grow your wealth and protect it. And uh, so the last, you know, few years we started buying, you know, more properties, whether that was um, the turnkey stuff, yeah. um, you know, being in Canada, you know, buying stuff here, buying stuff in the U.S., and just learning, you know, strategies of uh, of doing it because it's like I'm not uh, an active investor. I'd say sure. I'm definitely more passive with the whether it's the turnkey or just a few here and having different management companies handle it, which you know, I'm realizing, you know, my time is so much more valuable. So having people that where the deal is already done, because I'm not going to run all the numbers and all that stuff. And I need it kind of handed, handed to me and figured out, okay, just tell me the ROI, just give me the basic numbers and I'll make my decision based on that. And, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's just like, you know, I'm not a big debt guy, you know, I, I, I'm definitely like good debt, bad debt, you know, um, and, but you know, there's always risk with everything. And so it's just really, being being prudent and not putting myself too much at risk and risking my portfolio off of being too hungry or comparing you know how many doors i have compared to someone else and 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 over leveraging right yeah so 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 let's go to that because uh well let's go to the debt thing in a minute first i want to hit turnkey in case people don't know what that means i want to talk about that for a minute and then we'll go into like the idea of debt and and your views on that but what is turnkey real estate why was why did that attract you uh, I like the turnkey one because just the, the easy, quick turnaround. Uh, I don't have to get my hands hands dirty. Um, I don't have to look at. I, like I couldn't can't believe I've bought properties now without even like looking at them. Like, yeah. That's like, like I can't like we. It took us a while to get to that. And uh, I remember talking with my wife and we, we we started doing it. And the first one just went so well. We got they got a tenant in there. They handled the management. They handled the rehab. Um, the checks were coming in clean when there when there was problems they they handled it and so it was very hands off yeah. and i like that because i wanted to work on songs i wanted to work on my other parts of my business where real estate was just something where i just wanted to put my my money into something um but then you know some of the turnkeys and people will say and i obviously you guys will have your input on this but it's just like i find with those that you don't not you don't get the best deals, but I find yeah. as far as my experience so far, there hasn't been as much appreciation as there has been ROI on dollar for dollar invested. Um, the appreciation hasn't been as good, but the ROI of you know what I put in versus what I got back was 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 really good. Yeah, yeah. So turnkey, and, and of course, we're talking about like these companies that you know they they find the property, they fix it up, they put a tenant, and they manage the whole thing. You just basically get the loan, right? Like that's that's the majority yeah. of your active work. Uh, how do you, how did you find a trustworthy turnkey company to go with originally? And did you jump around to different ones or did you have just one? And how, how did you go navigate that? Well, when you were speaking at uh, music and money, I think yeah. it was in Nashville and I was chatting with Seth and he, he brought them up and, uh, started talking about them. And I was just like, and it was kind of like, oh, well, if he's buying with them, then I'll buy with them. And that's, that's the trust of referral and uh-huh. signing off on them. And, and, you know, with, with you guys with bigger pockets and referring, you know, stuff that you trust, like there's just so much power and integrity in, in, in a referral, right. So much. And someone that I trust. And if they've got results in their life, then, then that, that is very strong for me to make a decision. Yeah. Right. If, if my mm-hmm. trust is in them, like when you refer me to something like, it's like, okay, well, if Brandon's doing it or David's doing it, well, then it's gotta be good. Right. Right. And so I, and, and I listened, I listened to some podcasts. I uh, listened to some, got some referrals, different things, and then made my decision. 
Yeah. But then I, but I made it. And then, and then the first one went good. Then we did another one. Um, there's another tier key company that we did, but it's interesting. Their systems weren't as smooth. Communication wasn't as good, but, um, What's interesting is, is you don't know until you kind of get into the weeds and, and you got to test stuff and, yeah. and, and you got to know. And then you find your team and you find what you what you like, right? And what works for you. And, you know, I I, I don't know if I'm fully sold on the turnkey. Like I like it, but like, you know, there, there's the pros and cons, right? What are what are some of the cons? There hasn't been as much appreciation yep. um, as far as I can see. Um, I didn't find the deal, so I don't really know if I got it at the, the best market value or not because yeah. they're the ones fixing it up there's not as much control that, that that's kind of the, the main ones because i feel like because the roi is good but that appreciation man is just like yeah that's the gold and i think kind of doesn't that really outweigh yeah. it like i think it does but david I'm, i want to ask you david this question because you're as a real estate agent and somebody who's really good at knowing this stuff and you're the long distance real estate investing guy why do you think appreciation is typically not as good on turnkey uh, and just your general thoughts on turnkey? I'm so glad you asked. You must have read my face as Chris was talking. And I was <laughs> thinking like, oh, I know why that is. So when we say turnkey, what we're saying is the property is in such good condition. All you have to do is turn the key, open the door and you're ready to go. Uh, that is what Chris, you were looking for is I don't want the time and the headache of having to figure this thing out because my time is better spent doing other things with my family, making money, you know, the stuff we're going to get into in the rest of the podcast. The, the problem here, well, first off, I'll say appreciation is a much bigger component of building wealth through real estate than what most people would think. Um, we talk on the podcast a lot of the time, like don't bet on appreciation. You don't want to put yourself mm. in a position where you can lose money because you were counting on appreciation, but it is still a factor in this whole piece. And if you weigh over a 20, 30 year period, how much wealth you built from cash flow versus that property appreciating in most areas, appreciation is going to dominate. So it's yeah. not an either, or just like we were saying earlier, there's a spectrum that you yeah. want to be on. The problem with why those properties that Chris is talking about don't appreciate, I'm guessing, Chris, is where they bought in the Midwest. Yeah, they're in the Midwest. And uh, and that, that's what you you just nailed it to made me think like there's no, I'm not adding any value. They're already adding the value. They're yep. finding the, the places to add out. values. And so it's like, I'm not going to be able to do anything else, right? Yes. I can't get creative. And because they, the turnkey companies tend to exist in the Midwest because that's where the cash flow yep. is the greatest. You're you're inherently sacrificing appreciation in order to get cash flow because, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's just where those turnkey companies operate because most of their buyers want the cash flow. Yeah. So it's not that turnkey doesn't create appreciation. I mean, it, it hurts in the sense you're usually paying market value or a little bit more, but even long-term Midwest does not create appreciation. Mm -hmm. So as you move into the next phase, of your investing life where you're like, okay, I've got cash flow. Now I want to get more appreciation. My advice would be you focus on turnkey properties, meaning for the most part, they're already in pretty good shape. They're not a total fixer upper that have a little bit of meat on the bone. You can make them nicer, but you buy in an area that's more likely to appreciate. Yeah, That would be like yeah. the next stage on there. So I, I just wanted to clarify, it's not that turnkey doesn't appreciate. It's that usually they're in the Midwest yes. and that market doesn't appreciate. Well, mm -hmm. and, and, I'll, good. and I'll make this point too. Like, I think, yeah, okay, so when you buy with through a turnkey company, like you said, you are sacrificing a couple things. You you maybe are not getting a great deal because they've already maxed, like they're gonna get their big profit. Like, let's just use some simple math, right? They The turnkey company goes and finds a property for 50 grand. They then put 30 grand of work into it. Now they're at $80,000. They sell that turnkey, that property to you for 100. That's all fixed up and ready to go for 100. 
Uh, again, very simple math there. That means the turnkey company just made $20,000. They basically flipped it to an investor that they didn't have to pay a real estate agent for. It's a phenomenal business model. I would love to be in that yeah. model. Like amazing. But if you were just to go buy that property on the MLS, like if you were just going to get a real estate agent, you'd probably pay $100,000 for a similar property. So the question is, why wouldn't you just go do that yourself? Like David's even saying, you could go buy one that maybe for 90,000, you could put a little work into or 80,000, get a little of the equity yourself. And for many, many people, that is a great idea. But for you, Chris, I look at you and I say that would not have been a good use of your time is my assumption yeah. because you make way more money doing what you do, which is music and teaching people how to make money in music, which is kind of like your, like your business stuff, than trying to get, to get the best deal. And so there's a balancing act for everybody. And this is why we can't tell you, you should do it this way. You should do it this way. Yeah. Your highest and best use was probably not trying to get a $20,000 discount on a, on a piece of real estate. Like you need real estate as an investment, not as a generator of money or, or profit up front, right? Where me and Dave, when we got started, we definitely wanted the money as a profit, like to generate money. Mm -hmm. We need it in. So again, I, I think it just perfectly illustrates like how everybody has to take a different approach to real estate. Uh, and I think yeah. your approach is phenomenal. Make money doing what you love to do in business, entrepreneurship, whatever, and then dump all your money into real estate in a way that works for you and your time availability. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because it's like you got to be passionate about it. You got to want to uh -huh. do it, right? Like, not everybody wants to hunt the deals. Like, yeah. and sometimes I'm like, yeah, I do want to do that, but yeah. I don't want to do it as much to drop everything else I'm doing, uh -huh. yep. right? But like, you know, I know my wife likes fixing up stuff, and we were trying to fix up something the other day to get it get it rented, and so we didn't rehab. We just uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We just uh, set it up, cleaned and just it up. like bought oh, staged. Sta we staged it. There that's what it was. We staged it to, to move it. And it was fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know if we want to do that all the time or not. <laughs> You know, so it just depends. Yeah. Well, to further that point, before we move on, I'll say I myself don't buy real estate the way I did six years ago. Yeah. Same. I was the deal guy. I was hammering to, I was scouring. I got, I was so fun getting a great deal because I was comparing that to working 20 hours a day as a cop. It was yeah. much more fun to go find those great deals. Now I'll make more money, have more influence over other people, be much more fulfilled in the businesses I'm working on. So I still buy real estate, but I'm not killing myself to get another $11,000 on that property. I'm like, well, where do I buy the best land, the best area and find a deal to make it work there. And Brandon, you've kind of seen it. So I'm just saying that to give everyone else permission. Like we do this too. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. progressed along that same scale. That's good. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. All right. So let's, let's talk about a little bit what else you do. So when you're doing music, but you also have a, a music business, right? That teaches people how to do music. What's that all about? Yeah. When I was on the road, uh, in, in the green rooms or behind, you know, the stage before we'd go on, I get asked a lot of questions like, how are you making money with your music? Cause I was always entered it like where, like at first it was like, I thought the label was going to do everything, but then I went broke. And so it's like, okay, I got to figure out how to make money with my music. How does this work? And so I dived into the marketing of it and was very hands-on. And so I started getting a lot of questions from artists. Like, how are you doing this? And I'm like, well, have you set up this? Do you got merch? Do you got, yep. you know, drop shipping? Do you have print on demand? Do you have, are you using Facebook, Instagram ads? Like all these different things. Like, are you making money from YouTube? And, uh, and I decided one day, like, I'll never forget. I was driving back from surfing up the uh, I-5 there from uh, yep. Dana Point. And I was listening to a podcast uh, about online business. And I, and I heard these guys making like money and stuff, doing courses and stuff. And I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta just do this. I gotta help some people and, and gotta do this. So I pulled over to Starbucks, outlined this online course. <laughs> Next thing you know, my pregnant wife is, is filming me as I'm recording this course. And I'm just like, like just 
giving it my all right and uh feeling like an idiot my wife's like just 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 do it. you're doing great you're doing great this is gonna help so many artists like you're doing great and i was like okay so we, we do it and um and i remember we, we put it up online for sale and i remember we went to this bible study and when i was at the bible study all of a sudden i started getting ding ding and i was i was making sales on this course right <laughs> and you gotta understand like all it took was a microphone a camera and an idea, right? My computer. And all of a sudden we're making sales and they're a lot more than a 99 cent song on, on yeah. iTunes or Spotify. And it cost me nothing where a song takes, you know, to get it done right, takes thousands of dollars, yeah. you know? So like to get in this, this business to, you know, I write songs to inspire people and, and to, you know, help them and rock out whatnot and, but, and make a difference. But, you know, I'm also now making courses to help other artists get their art out there and making a living. But the, the entry level to get in was like completely different. And so mm -hmm. this whole model of, you know, like s teaching what, you know, and people paying you for it, like, you know, I, I spent tens of thousands of dollars on my brain from courses to books to masterminds and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I can't be, I can't assume just because I know this stuff that everybody else does, but yet we devalue what we know. And so that's where we, me and my, my wife as well, we both have our info product businesses where, you know, I teach musicians how to market, sell their music online. And my wife teaches artists how to sell their art uh, online. And so it's uh, something that we've uh, started to do together. Yeah, that's cool. It, it's, it's cool because like, you addressed it from the standpoint of like, I'm legitimately going to help people like by putting together this course, I'm legitimately going to help like, uh, musicians who are making no, I mean, musicians make no money. They're constantly making terrible deals with the labels. And like, they, it's just, it's a rough life being a musician. Even people you think are like super successful musicians. Like I know that COVID like just decimated them because they couldn't, all their money was from travel, uh, from, from touring, touring, from touring. Yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. these people that you think are like massive, like, musicians and country stars or rappers or whatever all of a sudden they're broke they have no money whatsoever because like all, all their money was just like it was a job and as soon as the spigot turned off they had no money left so you're like hey here's some of the ways that we can make money not just from touring or not just from this but different things like that right yeah yeah there's just so many yeah. different income streams that you can set up just like how real estate you know you get the appreciation you get the cash flow and you get the write-off and you know we yeah. could go off the different from from one asset well one song has all these different income streams, mm. right? Like, you know, from putting the, on the merch, you know, TV and film, YouTube, Spotify, and there's just so many different things that, you know, from one song, but you don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. And that's why, you know, people perish for lack of knowledge. And it's just like, you know, one thing I didn't know, and I could have negotiated cost me 50,000 bucks, um, on, on a deal. And I could have just asked for it and I didn't because I didn't know. Right. And yeah. so, yeah. So what I'm curious who you think like is the ideal. I'm going to ask David, you the same question to, to you, David, but um, like there is a glut of really terrible, like online courses out there in the real estate space and in every space, pretty much imaginable because uh, everyone read the four hour work week and was like, Whoa, I could just build, build a simple course and then make a ton of money right away. Uh, who should, who should create like who should be looking into this kind of thing, like this world of like creating money online and who shouldn't like what, what's the best way to attack that? You know, for me, it's, it's about having your heart in the right place and wanting to help someone get a result, you know, and I was on tour, uh, with, uh, saving, saving able is this, uh, mainstream tour, this club bar tour. And I've always traveling and uh, going into thrift shops to buy inspirational books. And I've, I found the book Millionaire Messenger by Brandon Burchard for 50 cents. Mm. And, you know, that's what got me into wanting to uh, teach online. And it was all about 
making money, but making an impact, like yeah. helping people, like get your, you know, if you just want to help people, the money will come, right? Yeah. Like, like let's just help people, right? Like, and make a difference. And, and if you do that, then, then you're going to make, you're going to make money. Yeah. That's such a good point. I made this point. I think it was like last week on the podcast or a few weeks ago on the podcast here, but I'll say it again and keep people hear it. As I was on another show recently, uh, I think it was called perpetual traffic. And uh, it was all about like, you know, getting traffic to your, to your business and stuff, right? In, in your online business. And I was talking about bigger pockets and we were joking about how terrible bigger pockets is at a lot of internet marketing things. Like we're just not that good at like SEO and we're not that we don't, we're not technical at a lot of different things. Internet, we don't do like the click funnel stuff that you, I know you like, we just don't do a lot of stuff that we should be doing. So why is bigger pockets the largest real estate investing website on the planet? Like why are we the largest podcast? Cause like Josh, when he found it was like, how do we just provide real value? Like how do we actually help people? Right. And like when you come at it from that standpoint, uh, like it's just a different game versus how do I make the most amount of money possible with the least amount of work possible and get people to give me their credit card so I can just like quit my job and lie on a beach like that, that mentality, I think just, it, it only takes you so far. Uh, but when you yeah. just go, I'm going to provide massive value and help to people and teach what I actually do. Like you weren't also like making things up, right? Like, I, I mean, how many times you get irritated from people who are like, oh, I'm going to teach you guys like David, you see this all the time, right? I'm going to teach you guys how to get rich through real estate. Oh yeah. What have you done? Well, I've done two deals. Oh, okay. Great. Like yeah. it's easy to teach. Uh, I took yeah. four courses from other people yeah. that were making these. <laughs> yeah. But like you were yeah, an active question, musician, right? Like, yeah. are you actually making money with this? Like, do you actually make money from your music or are you just yes. teaching it? And, and that's the thing too, is like, like even me, like, where it's just like, yeah, I have done this, you know, we toured 22 different countries. We've had success. Yeah. And so it's there, but I had my own doubts in, in my mind, but it's just like, that's where you just got to have the right heart and, and, and want to help people. And I love with what you guys, it's like, like you guys are giving away so much amazing value and you're giving it away for free where, where people are not even teaching is, is what is giving away as much value, but trying to charge for it. Right. And so it's just like, how can you, how can you compete with that? Yeah. And I would argue that, yeah, if you want to compete with bigger pockets, which is great, I hope people do. I hope you go and come and come and compete with us. We get you some competition. You got to do a better job than we're doing. And like in a lot of areas, like we teach a lot of value. So how do you provide more value? Find that area that bigger mm -hmm. pockets is not doing that you are currently doing already in your life. And then go teach that. If you want to go teach that online and make a little bit of money, fine. I, you can make a lot of money that way. But you got to be able to bring something different to the table. And this is a big thing I see with online uh, entrepreneurs of every sort, right? Uh, like this is when I tried to start a wooden sunglasses business. I was one of a thousand other people selling wooden sunglasses like six years ago. Like, why was I different? I wasn't. I had nothing different. David, what do you think on this? I think I'm glad you don't sell wooden sunglasses, first of all. <laughs> Thank you. Terrible idea. I think I told you that when you were doing They were it. awesome looking glasses, though, right? They looked cool, and I still wish I had a pair. <laughs> I still don't get the appeal of wood on your face. That yeah. never, ever felt, made sense it, to it me. It was lighter than plastic. It light, felt, yeah. I light. could feel the lightness. It floated yeah. in the you water. You get that amazing feeling like when you rub your face against tree bark, and you just wanted that every day. Oh, it, man. It was pretty smooth <laughs> wood. It felt like plastic. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, so I would say my pet peeve is when somebody makes an online course and it's a pet peeve because there's vulnerable people that will pay for it. Yeah. That's the problem with yeah. our business is they are so desperate to get out of their cubicle at Microsoft as a systems engineer that they'll pay a lot of money to someone with the hope that they can get out of it. And then that person doesn't deliver, but there's no accountability because you don't know that person. You don't have a relationship with them. You'll never see them. They clicked on a click funnel, they paid their money. And if they get ripped off, well, that's not your problem. That's what we 
don't yeah. like. So that's why it's so important that the person who's selling that course, if that's what you're paying for, does this. And it's very easy to not do it. And you're never going to really know much about them until after you paid for the course. So if there's many people out there, I'm saying that are doing this for the wrong reason. Yeah. They want to look like a big deal. The Instagram factor has made its uh -huh. way into these online courses. And I think that the bigger pockets model has been give value, do what's teach other people, help them, and then good things will come your way. Bigger Pockets is a very successful company at this point. So I I ascribe personally to the whole like take a leap of faith, give first, see what comes your way. And then if you're someone like Chris, I mean Chris, I honestly don't know anyone else who's doing what you're doing. This the reason it's so important you did this is I don't think anyone else is helping musicians avoid getting taken advantage by record labels where they're vulnerable. You're literally empowering people that are vulnerable that are being taken advantage of instead of taking advantage of the people that are vulnerable. Does that make sense? Well, it it does. And this is the thing, like the music industry is known just for taking advantage of people, like yeah. just like <laughs> whether it's labels, yep. managers, whatever. So you're skeptical just as an artist. And like, I've spent a lot of money marketing my music. All right. Getting it out there. And I haven't received nearly as much hate from that as opposed to trying to help musicians. And because they're just so skeptical, right. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I don't believe whatever, whatever. And saying some things mm -hmm. that are pretty colorful language online. <laughs> and that's why like, man, I've already got thick skin because of my music, but it's just like, dude, I'm just honestly just trying to help you you bro like girl you know what i mean and so the, the walls slowly come down and i think that's what's so cool about you know the podcast that you guys have they get to know you and you know that build that like and trust and i think it was frank kern who said you know if you want people to buy from you like get them results first you yeah. know share something get get them a result and, and build that trust and then they'll want to buy from you if they if they know you and like you and trust you that's you've earned the right yeah. to sell them the course when yeah. you've done it. We keep using this phrase yeah. all the time and it's a good way of thinking it to me. It's a carrot that motivates you to get somewhere. Hey, I want to make courses for people. Great. What have you done to earn the right to be able to sell them that thing? Where's that tracker? It's a healthy way of, of improving. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so good. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb, and that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 
360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from Price for Life offer and may be increased. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. As home prices and interest rates continue to rise and inventory levels dip, it's getting harder to find quality flips and wholesale deals. When there's not enough on-market inventory to go around, it's time to start looking off-market. Lucky for you, there are millions of homeowners nationwide who own a property they need to get off their hands. I got two words for you, my friend. PropStream it. PropStream is the leading real estate data provider and recognized as a Tech 100 honoree by Housing Wire for the fourth consecutive year. With PropStream, you can search over 155 million properties nationwide using 120 plus search filters like pre-foreclosure, bankruptcy, pre-probate, failed listings, and more to help you find motivated sellers in seconds. PropStream offers both public record data and an MLS sales estimate that's over 99% accurate to help you get the most accurate comps even in non-disclosure states. PropStream also provides lead automation, skip tracing, and a marketing suite with emails, postcards, and custom landing pages to close more deals efficiently. Get started today with their seven-day free trial and get 50 leads for free. Head on over to www.propstream.com BP. That's www.propstream.com BP. I have a question about thick skin. So you are a, like, a white... Christian rapper, right? So like you get, you probably get a lot of flack for that, right? Cause you're not, you're not the, the cliche, like, uh, you know, what people think of when they think of hip hop. So you had to have a lot of thick skin. I'm sure you probably got a lot of hate and then you sell an online course, which is also like going to get a lot of hate. So the question I have is how do you deal with that hate, whether it's online, whether it's on stage, whether it's wherever you are, how do you deal with that? You know, in the the beginning stages, especially because I did mostly hip hop, I kind of do the, the the rap and and the rock now as well. Yeah. And honestly, I wish I just focused on on one genre and didn't bounce because it kind of hurt me. That's the power of needing to focus. <laughs> um, and I, it's funny. Now, I like your I like that you've gone between them. But anyway, keep going. Yeah, like the rock stuff has actually done better yeah. than the hip hop stuff. But I remember yeah. getting up on the open mics and uh you know going up there and the the dj would just spin a beat and you just got to rap and you don't know how fast the beat is going to be and i remember the first time i went up to do that to rap i was scared out of my mind like and and i and i and i did it and i rocked it and i just ran back to my seat like like hide me behind like a 
a drink. You know what I mean? And and I remember the MC goes, yo, manifest, get the beep beep back up here, man. That was hot. Right. That's and cool. so I started, and so that encouraged me. And so I went and did another verse. And so I showed up, I started showing up every week, but I'll never forget one time I went up and I, and, and I stood there and I was just awkward. And I said, Hey, I'm feeling the vibe. Are you guys feeling the vibe? And I remember these two chicks just like laughing, making fun of me. And I remember just walking down, just like feeling like such a loser, you mm. know? And, um, but like, honestly, like any hate, any discouragement, I think honestly, it's, it's more in, in your head than it actually has been. I haven't really had that much where people are just like, you know, so we're like, we run a lot of Facebook, Instagram ads promoting our music. And, you know, some people will say stuff, but like, I don't know if it's just that I've just built up the thick skin or whatnot. Like sometimes my mom would be like, I can't believe those things people are saying about you. And I'm just like, wow, I don't, I don't look at those comments. Um, I, I don't read that stuff and just try to be yeah. so, so mission-minded, so wrapped up in your dream, so wrapped up in your calling that you're, you're too busy on your dream to be, to be worrying about that or to be concerned about that. Because like, I think it was Seth Godin who says he never reads his Amazon reviews on his books. Cause it's like, how is that going to help him or encourage him? Like, am I looking for an ego boost or like, like, what's my purpose? What's my, why is it because of the comments? Like, is that going to, you know, lift me or tear me down? And, and so I, I feel like I've just, it, it's more of sometimes it used to be the industry people when someone would say no, but I've learned how to turn those no's into maybes and those maybes into yeses. And that's by just perseverance and coming from different angles and making a better product, which for me is sometimes a better song or packaging it in a different way and, and learning how to sell, learning how to sell yourself and, and, and overcoming that stuff, you know? Yeah, that's really good. You said something earlier in the podcast that we didn't get into too hard, but it really caught my attention that you were so driven to get out of your job at Microsoft that it almost didn't matter how you were going to get there. And looking back, you realize you could have made it a smoother transition. That is something I wanted to ask if you think that um, that will that you have, the drive, I want to make this happen, seems like it's what got you out of the W-2. It's why you didn't care about hate that could have come your way. It's why if other people didn't support you, it didn't deter you. And I was curious if, and this is a tough question I'm asking on the spot, I know, if you can isolate why you wanted it so bad and maybe give advice to others who have a dream, but there's a piece of them that holds back. They're afraid of failing or, or they have pieces in them that don't let them really let that inferno go. Because as you're saying, man, that just burned through anything that would have gotten my way from moving forward. Yeah, well, I'm going to get heavy with you guys, if that's all right. Yeah. Um, but I lost my dad to suicide when I was five years old, oh, wow. right? So I didn't have this father figure to look up to and, and be that role model in my life. And so I've always sought out godly businessmen that, that were successful, whether that was in books, you know, movies, actual mentors. I've just always looked up to successful men and, and sought that out. And I really believe that there is always this hunger in me because it was there because I wanted to be a pro skateboarder at one point too. Right. And I, and I got hurt and, and I, and I wasn't like, I feel like nothing's ever been handed to me. And, it, and I always had to like work at it, whether it was music, real estate, business, like I really feel I had to like, like it wasn't like necessarily natural talent or ability. And I had to like work on it to make it happen. But I believe that drive came from from not having a dad and and wanting to be a success. And I don't know if it's prove them wrong, or I have to achieve this or, or be here because I didn't have that. Maybe it was anger inside, but something, you know, God put in put in me to want to, to be as successful and kind of prove them wrong. Cause I was also bullied as a kid as well too. And called, you know, your, 
not a leader, you're a follower, you're never going to amount to nothing. And, you know, it's kind of like this desire to say, look, no, I am going to be something great. You know, I failed music in school as well, too. And so um, maybe prove my teacher wrong. And so there's always been this, this desire to just like, push through the crap, you know? You know, being somebody who you, you talk to a lot, I know you've, you've written, you know, books about this topic about like, um, I don't know if depression is the right word, but people who are just going through hard times, especially younger people, you know, like, I know like you came from a family. I mean, your, your dad's suicide obviously affected you and you learned a lot from that. What can you say to people listening to this right now? Like who maybe are just lacking hope in this time. Maybe they just had a really bad year. Like maybe the 2020 was just terrible on them. Uh, maybe they're may, again, I guess just people are just struggling right now. Like, what can you tell them? Yeah. You know, as a, as a believer in faith and stuff, and I like to get really around, like always, you know, not ashamed of my faith. And, you know, I go through hard times. I have some pretty gnarly thoughts sometimes. And something we always say is, you know, like, look, a fighter isn't someone who never fails. A fighter is someone who never quits. And I would encourage you just not to quit. Like even the fact that you're listening to this podcast right now means your story is not done yet. So right through those tough times, right through that pain, you know, instead of trying to numb it with drugs or alcohol or whatnot, and I, I get it. I know sometimes having a nice glass of wine at the end of the week or to kind of just relax or whatnot, I encourage you plug in the podcast, plug in the teaching at bigger pockets, get around the community, get around people that are going to encourage you and want to see you win. Cause I mm. know without a doubt, like your guys' hearts are in desire to want to see people win with real estate and change their life. And you believe that that's a, a, an avenue. And so just say to people, Hey, your story's not done yet. Keep writing it. You're still here and you're still here for a purpose. And there's, there's a light at the end of this tunnel, as long as you don't quit and you stay in the game and you push through this messy middle that you're going through right now. Mm. Yeah. Messy middle. It's a good way to put that because it is the middle. Like it's not the end. It's uh, oh. it's just one part you're going to look back on your life. If it is a hard time right now, you're gonna say, yeah, that was a hard time, but it made yeah. me who I am today. Cause I'm a fighter and I got through this thing. Yeah. It's gonna make you stronger. Yeah. You know? Well, one thing I heard you say too, there is like, don't waste your pain. Pain's a very powerful motivator. Yeah. You mentioned painful things yeah, and that numbing them is a waste of the pain. I don't want to mm. feel this. So oh, it's so it. good. But that that's yeah. it's the fuel, right? That's gonna get you over those hurdles yeah. and their obstacles. Yeah. Paint that yeah. pain, use it as a motivator, like get that get get angry and move, you know. Don't get angry and and and, and self-destruct, self-sabotage, right? Um, do something with it because that is such a powerful emotion. And I forget what someone said, like it's almost like don't let a good crisis go to weight. Don't let because yeah. like when you're like under that pressure of finances money trying to figure it out don't wait until it's over because like your neurons and everything is fired up now's the time to get to work and create and get yourself out of this spot right yeah that's really good well i want to shift here as we're you know moving toward the end of the show kind of the downhill slope here uh and i mean that in a good way <laughs> uh it's all downhill from here uh i want to talk a little bit about the book that you recently wrote uh, I think it's going right from red to black, a short journey from debt to Liberty. Yeah. Uh, what's that about? Man. Uh, it's all about, you know, getting out of debt. First of all, bad debt, building wealth. I hired a mentor in a, in Australia, Peter J. Daniels, um, really inspired me. He's a billionaire. Um, he's, he's a gold bullion dealer. I flew out there to be coached by them. 
and uh, you know, just to get my money right, different things, and just just to be inspired and coached about my business, trusts, all kinds of stuff that we'll all get into. But I remember saying, like, look, I want to, I, I love this business stuff, you know, I love this entrepreneur stuff, you know, I love the Bigger Pockets podcast, like, I love this stuff, I love talking about this stuff today. But like, but I'm an artist, I'm a musician. How can I, you know, talk about this stuff? And, and they're like, Chris, man, like, you're you're wealthy, you're successful. Who else? is, you know, if not you, who's going to talk about this? And I remember, then this is a couple of years ago that we came up with that title from red to black, you know, a short journey from debt to liberty. And that's the idea of, you know, getting out of debt, building wealth, um, not just for you, but for your family. And so you can pass it along and, and, and just talking about everything that I went through these last, you know, I'm 41, 41 years of, of building a successful business you know, didn't fail my wife, my relationship still together, you know, have a kid, you know, sometimes we use all these different excuses, crutches of why we can't be successful. And it's kind of like, look, you know, with all this stuff going on, my marriage didn't fall apart and, you know, was able to build success. And now it's kind of like, want to, uh, you know, hang down the ladder to the next generation, help build them up and avoid the mistakes I made. How do you, how do you view debt right now? You, you use the word good debt and bad debt a couple of times. How do you view those differences? Man, I I struggled with that whole thing. Like I've I've read Rich Dad Poor Dad before yeah. I read Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey, right? And you know, I I believe that using other people's money is a very powerful tool, yeah. you know, and and that to whether it's to buy real estate, start a business, um, you know, using that to get started. But I just am leery of the trap in over leveraging. Yeah. You know what I mean? Bad debt to me though is obviously credit cards you know, stuff that's not making you money. But if you got debt on a piece of real estate or a business that's making you money, I think that is an extremely powerful leverage and you should not be afraid of using that, but just don't get lured into over leveraging it to you expose yourself because there's, there's always risk. Right. And so you got to measure those, but like, I'm all about getting out of that bad debt, whether that's, you know, credit card stuff, loans on things that are liabilities, things that aren't making you money and good debt is debt that's on assets, things that are producing cash flow, like a business, real estate. I'm all about that, but just not over leveraging yourself because, you know, look what we just went through, man. Like, thank God, like properties and everything worked out well for me, but I'm sure there's a lot of people it didn't work out so well for and, and tenants not being able to pay. And we, yeah. we just can't, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen. And so that's why, you know, it's important to have multiple income streams and things to protect you through these turbulent times. And who knows what's going to happen next, right? So it's important to, you know, make sure that your portfolio, your risk level is you're prepared just in case something else does happen. And for those who are in a lot of debt and a lot of our users might, I mean, what's the average credit card debt in America now? I don't know. It's like 16 or $20,000, something crazy like that. For those people who are struggling through that, like what's the first step to try to move out of that, to move from red to black, to use that terminology? My favorite thing is to increase your income, man. Increase your income. Don't uh, don't lower your prices. Add more value and charge more. You know how can you increase your income? How can you get a second job? How can you create something? Sell something? Get that yeah. income up. You know, can you sell something that you don't use? It's not make ma- making you money. Can you create something? Me and my wife always love the idea of like creating your way to freedom. That's something that mm. we talk about out in the book. Um, but like, I think that's obviously you can always sell something, right? And 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 lower. But I, I love, I prefer to increase the, the the income, and that's by by creating something, selling something, adding more value. Yeah, that's cool. You know, I 
I'm a big, uh, I've been a big uh, attendee of a, a conference called FinCon every year. I haven't gone in a couple of years now with the, with the little ones, but I went for a number of years and it's the financial, uh, financial bloggers conference, FinCon. And uh, you get around these people and there's like thousands of people that attend this thing. And there are some really frugal people there. I mean, you guys know the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, right? Like Mindy is a huge part of that. Scott's a big part of FinCon. Uh, and there are people who are just really frugal at that event. And I'm always like, like, and they like outdo each other with like, who can be more frugal? Like, I make my own cups to put my water in. They're like, well, yeah, well, I make my own water from the rain. You're like, oh yeah, well, I make my own rain from, you know, like it's like everyone that <laughs> does each other how frugal and how little they can spend. And I have always been, now I think, I think there is a time and place for sure for frugality. Like if you, like there was a time in my life where I was spending a thousand dollars a month more every month than I was bringing in. Cause I was just buying whatever I wanted. I wasn't keeping track. I didn't have a good foundation. At the same time, I was making three grand a month spending four. Like it probably wouldn't have been that hard for me. And it wasn't, I mean, I ended up doing it like making four grand a month and five. Now I still needed to get that, the foundational issue handled of, I was spending more money because I didn't know what I was spending. That was the first thing I had to do was like, get, know what I was spending money on. And then like realizing just like that I was in control of this and all of a sudden everything yeah. changed. But yeah, like I am much more of a, how do I generate more money? Cause I think trying to save $5 on a latte or $20 on, yeah. you know, I'm going to save $30 a month. on not going to Starbucks. Well, great. Or I'm going to make my own drinking water. <laughs> like, what could you build during that time? What could you take that mental energy and go yeah. put into the world that will pay you a whole lot more? For example, like, I'm not going to invest in real estate until I get all my student loan debt paid off in the next 12 years. Okay. Jeez. You do realize one fl house flip could pay your student loan debt off in, like, in the next three months. Like, you could do yeah. one house flip and pay off your entire student loan debt just by generating that income. Well, I don't have any money to do that. Oh, if only somebody wrote a book on investing in real estate with no one low money down. Like... The answers are out there if you really want it. Just people love to not do it. I don't know. Thoughts? Yeah, like yeah, like cutting expenses is definitely you know for a time, sure. You know, cut your expenses, go through it, and you can yep. probably yep. find an extra five hundred dollars a month. And we talk about yep. in that book if you go through everything. Like I remember, we found different insurances, different things that we could lower and negotiate. Yeah, yep. you could find that extra five hundred bucks. That's great. But what you can create, like you said, by doing a house flip, by getting more business, yep. you know, reaching more people. Like one, one of my favorite concepts that really changed my life was the idea of instead of selling one to one, how can you sell one to many? You know, um, like, uh, like, sure, like, like, uh, I'm going to use something so silly is like shoveling snow. I can walk to each door yep. and offer to shovel their driveway, or I could walk to a, a, a business and, and shovel, you know, a whole bunch of businesses or something like that. Get yep. like a bigger contract or something yeah. as opposed to just this small thinking, but, but think bigger. Yeah. Right. David. Well, if you're really trying to get deep about it, this principle applies in every form of business, including real estate. So getting your expenses under control is like plugging the, the leaks. You don't want to keep dumping water in a bucket and having it leak out. Yep. But if water in the bucket is wealth, plugging holes isn't building it. Mm. It's just stopping you from losing it. Okay. You can, you can play sports and play great defense and just hold the ball to the last second of the shot clock and shoot it at the end. And you'll do a great job stopping their team from scoring, but you won't be scoring yourself. Yeah. And I see this principle apply in real estate investing as well, where people look at cash flow, like that's, what's going to make them wealthy. I'm going to get rich $200 a month at a time buying all these properties. And you need so many to do that. 
cash flow is is meant for defense. It stops you from losing the property. But like we said earlier, the wealth you're creating is typically the equity that's built in appreciation plus loan pay down yep. over a long period of time. You'll never get through that long period of time if you lose the property because it didn't cash flow yeah. or you didn't cash flow. But but that def- playing that defense isn't building your wealth. So that's just I, I hit this point a lot because you can get into making your own soap and think <laughs> you're doing everything right and living on thirty five thousand dollars a year. You're never going to hit uh, the good life that people are, are looking for. And the second piece is, I would say, when you're just focusing on defense, if Chris just said, OK, I'm going to keep my expenses low, we're losing all of the unique creativeness that we each have that comes out of you when you set a goal that you want to go achieve. So if Chris has to save $10,000, he could make his own soap for 12 years and get there perhaps, or he could go make an awesome song that we all get to benefit, right? One to many. And now his creativeness comes out. He does something really good. He evolves as a musician, all these other like benefits come out of the aggressive uh, offensive style. So please don't hear us saying, don't play defense. It doesn't matter. It so does. It's the first step. You plug those holes, but don't stop at that. That's not going to get you what you want. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good, man. Like uh, mentality shift, like completely. Like I remember driving to a show with my wife, just hoping or praying we'd sell five CDs that night, mm. you know, and, and just hoping there'd be people there. Now we run Facebook, Instagram ads and going to be selling 50 CDs a day while I'm in the studio and it's just mm. happening and I'm not shipping it out anymore. It's delegated out. And again, this is all with like growth and, and, and leverage and, and adding value and, 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 you know, Instead of me just being in one city by going online, I'm now mm. global, right? And and it's this mentality. And a lot of people still think local, but you got to start thinking global. Like that's what we have the the internet and and more people online than ever, right? So it's just like uh, thinking differently with that. Yeah, it's really good, man. All right, well, one more thing, question about the book. Uh, in the book, you talk about some of the habits of the wealthy or the rich. I'm wondering if you can uh, explain any uh, what you meant by that. Like what are some of the habits that wealthy people seem to follow? Well, one of them is is reading mm-hmm. and I've always been, you know, constantly learning and and, and growing and um, I'm reading a really good book um, right now called The Slight Edge, which I really like yeah. and it's challenging the idea of of 10 pages a day and just that these these small things add up to a big thing, but yet we, we think they're, they're nothing, you know, reading 10 pages of something inspirational each day, but you do the 10 pages, you know, after a long period of time, you've read all these books and you've got all these, 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 this, this knowledge, right? So it's, it's, it's constantly learning and growing. Like I don't, you know, work out or do the dishes or go for a walk without something inspirational in these ears and mind. Like mm-hmm. that's my mobile university. If I'm going to the driver's license place, I got some, I'm prepared. Right. Cause I want to keep, keep growing and keep learning. And just one idea, like, you know, spend, like you spend 10 bucks, 20 bucks on a book and you get to tap into a millionaire's mind for 10 or $20. Right. And so like, that's, that, that's power. Right. So that's, that's one of the, one of the big habits. Um, Second one is of wealthy people is the idea of like who they hang hang around with, you know, hanging around positive people, like their, their circle yeah. of influence and hanging around people that, you know, influence them. Like you, you show me your friends, I'll show you your wealth, you know? And it's true that if you were hanging around negative people that are always shooting down ideas, like it only takes one negative comment to destroy a great idea. So that's why we got to be careful who we share our dreams with, who we surround ourselves with, um, because we want people that are going to, you know, I'm always already doubting myself. I'm already, you know, killing the optimism myself and there's fighting my own negative thoughts. I don't yep. need 
haters or negative friends to pull me down anymore either. Right. That's such a good point. Yeah. I mean, because we are like they're like the enemy to our success is somewhat external. There are people that may want to drag you down, but it's also mostly up in here in our own heads. And so, yeah, try to limit those battles, like (laughs) surround yourself with people who are going to build you up and support you in that fight with your head because you're going to need them. Like there's times where I just feel down and I don't want to do anything. And David's like, hey, man, like buck up like I'm like oh, all right like and hopefully I do the same for David and like and, and my other friends is like we build each other up because that's what because we need that because it is a battle and it's mostly a battle takes place in our head yeah big time man like like the, this whole lone soldier trying to do it on your own it's like no we need community we need friends we need to be around each other to lift each other up like we were talking about you know you're doing the jujitsu instructor now yeah. i've got a boxing trainer and uh and it's just changed it's changed my life like yeah. and you know just by by moving and it's just these one little ideas that were you know that whole mastermind iron sharpens iron yeah you know get an idea from a bro and that uh, it's not just the idea it's an idea acted upon that is is the powerful thing you know and that's that's another thing successful people don't procrastinate they take massive action well the people take action you know they don't just think about it because we all now now successful people i feel like now it's like we have so many ideas but it's like which one do i act upon so now it's like you know but it's it's just taking that action first yeah makes sense man all right well david anywhere else you want to go before we uh head to the famous four only thing i would ask you chris is do you have advice for the people that want to get into a community and they don't know where to start or maybe like what brandon and i get a lot is hey i heard you guys say that you need to increase the people you hang out with so how can i can i just hang out with you right someone you don't know like that, that comes up a lot. So there's a way to get yourself into that or build that community. Is there anything you can share about what you think people need to do? Well, yeah. Like I know you guys have the bigger pockets membership, right? Yeah. Like join that first, yeah. you know, get on the webinar and connect with people and be in that group of like-minded people. You know, like I have a membership area of, of artists where I coach every month and like they might not, they, they get access to me twice a month, but then I always say, connect with each other. Yeah. I always say that connect with each other, exchange emails, encourage it, feature on each other's songs. Like, um, uh, I think it was Brendan Burchard had a Facebook live again, and he always talks about his membership and stuff. And it's like, who do you think you're going to meet there? You know, when, uh, I went to funnel hacking live with click funnels and stuff, like some relationships and stuff like Brendan, that's how I met you at yeah, that's uh, the event. Yeah. Music Buddy investors. Yep. Right. And, and we found a common thing with surfing and faith and different things. And, you know, a relationship to start, but it's by getting out. And I know we can't right now because of COVID to some extent, but go online. And, you know, I have another friendship that where I literally paid for his coaching, got to know him. And now he's like one of my best buds, you know what I mean? So it's just like, like, if you want to be around people, like dig around people, hire the coaching. Yeah. Be around people. Yeah. That could be the quote of the day. Like if you want to be around people, be around people. Like it's like like, be intentional about it. Like I actually really, I'm going to make a t-shirt that says that. (laughs) What I like when people take that approach, what I like the most is instead of someone going to, I mean, it's good to go and say, Hey, I want to accomplish this. Can you help me? There's nothing wrong with that. It's better to go to someone and say, what do you want to accomplish and how can I help you? That tends to open the door to get now that person even wants to hang out with you. And I'd say that's the mistake a lot of people make is they go, well, Brandon and David said, I need to do this. So, Hey, can you do this with me? And, and you didn't bring any value to that person. 
Don't so. be a taker, be a, be a giver, like go, go to give, how can I help people? And that came from the, the idea with the online courses. It's yeah. like, how can I serve people? How can I connect people and, you know, offer a connection of some sort, as opposed to like, what can I get out of this person? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. So good. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to the last segment of our show. It's time for our famous four. All right. So let's get to the famous four, Chris. The same four questions we ask every guest every week. So number one, what is your uh, all-time favorite real estate related book? Well, besides Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, I'm going to say uh, I read this book uh, in Mexico last year and it's Money, People, Deal by Stefan Arneo. Oh. Rest in peace. Um, uh, I really uh, like that. He's a he's a Canadian guy, um, but I found him through like Grant Cardone and, and different stuff. And sadly, he, he just passed away. But um, I really dived into uh, his stuff, just his story about, uh, I don't know if it was a, a triplex or something like that, but his stories were so good. And he got into this deal, the contractor did him wrong and it took longer, way over budget, spent all his money. And he was always like the suit business guy. And, uh, it turned out just to save this deal. So he didn't lose his shirt. He had to like end up putting on overalls and he showed up every single day <laughs> until that property was freaking done. And, and, and he got it, got it done. And just, I don't know, it's just a kind of a, not a rags to riches story, but it, it inspired me. That's awesome. Isn't it cool that the stuff we tend to like the most isn't necessarily the best content, but it's the best story? Yeah, I know. Seriously. Stories, yeah, stories matter so much. Yeah. yeah, they do. All right. So uh, what's your favorite business book? I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to mention it again, just because uh, it changed. It really inspired me. It was a uh, millionaire messenger by, uh, Brandon. by uh, Brandon Burchard. Cause I got it for 50 cents and I'd say it's, Made me over a million dollars. Yeah, um, one book. <laughs> I've and, not read uh, that. Yeah. I've not read that one from him. I have High Performance Habits, which I've read probably four that times. One's so awesome good too. Yeah, millionaire yeah, message. I also have the the manifesto one. What's it called? The uh, something motivation. Mani- motivation. Manifesto. No, it's the motivation manifesto. It's it's <laughs> motivation manifesto is fascinating because it's written like a the it's like a manifesto like uh, Declaration of Independence. It's like we find yeah. these truths to be self evident. Like the whole yeah. book is written that way. It's it's hmm. unlike any book I've ever read. But anyway, Brendan yeah. is an awesome dude. We're actually, we're in chatting with him to get him on the show. I mean, he wants to. We just haven't nailed down specifics yet. So uh, we'll That's get cool. there. Yeah, we'll get Brendan on the Bigger Pockets podcast because he's a cool guy. All right. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, what are some of your hobbies? Surfing, skateboarding, and now uh, now boxing. Not because I want to fight, but just because it's fun hitting things. Yeah. And uh, it's also getting me in shape, man. And my wife's it's freaking it exhausting. Too. It is yeah. what it is. Yeah, dude. This is going to sound super lame, but have you ever done the boxing on the Oculus Quest, like on a virtual reality boxing game? <laughs> no, it's 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 the best workout you can do in, like on a virtual reality game. I mean, I've done a lot of different workouts on my Oculus because I have an Oculus Quest, but like the boxing games, there's one called Thrill of the Fight. Like you are just pouring sweat. So I'm assuming if you're actually hitting something, it's even better. So that's oh, dude, it's yeah. it's so good. It's so good. And then my trainer's like, uh, he's like, okay, man, you're just gonna you gotta try and hit me. Like, seriously, like full out try and hit me. And like this is like <laughs> I'm just learning, right? So I'm learning like, okay, like you like really you want me to try and hit you, dude? And like, so I started trying, I got him once in the in the stomach. He's <laughs> like, Oh, you're you're listening. But then he went at me like to like back. And I was like, Whoa, 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 tap out, tap out, you know. That's funny. It's like that's awesome. All right, my final question then. What do you believe separates successful real estate investors and anybody successful from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Man, um, resilience, perseverance, and taking action. You know, 
you just got to take action. You got to, you got to get in the game. You got to start, uh, you know, me and my wife, like this one condo that did so good. It like more than doubled in appreciation. I'll never forget her saying, we should have got two of those. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I should have got three of those. It's like, and that's like, it's like, I should have got, should have went oh. more all in. Like, just, you know, just go all in and start. Yeah. So the, that's funny you say that it's totally unrelated, but I'll say this anyway. Uh, I, when I moved to Hawaii, we had a house in Grace Harbor, Washington, where we lived. And when we bought it, it was the most expensive house in town. It was like, $280,000. And it was like, it really pushed me to buy that house. Like, I mean, like it stretched me to buy it. So then we sold it, you know, two and a half years later, or whatever for three, it was 380,000. Right. When I moved to Hawaii, I sold it at the time we were debating, should we keep it? Should we sell it? And this is two years ago now. Should we keep it? Should we sell it? We're like, let's just sell it. We're like top of the market. 380. We got for it. We're like, we made a hundred grand. And then it went on the market again. The people who bought it from us now, two years later, just put on the market for like five ninety five or something. And I'm like, ah! what? Like <laughs> so much money. Like I, if I would have held it like two more, you know, there's no way of knowing that. But yeah, yeah, it's they always say. I've heard that many old real estate investors say, "I regret every deal I yep. ever sold." And now I'm looking. Yep. I'm like, wow. I regret every property wow. I ever sold. And now I'm like, yeah, I regret, I think I, I regret most, there's one that I just hated, but even that one 20 years from now, I'll probably be like, I could have survived. I could have held that one and had a quarter million dollars. That's true. Yeah. Oh man. That's so you good. You never, dude. ever, ever hear someone that's done it for 30, 40, 50 yeah. years that are like, man, I really wish I would have sold that thing in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> dude, that's good, man. That's so much wisdom in that right there. Like, yeah. it's so true. I can think of another call yep. that we like, yeah. wish we didn't sell and we sold it before. And then like we had it for years, actually, it was the first condo, the one we moved into. And then we sold it. And literally like two or three months, the market just goes poof. Mm -hmm. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, but we had it like, oh, you just don't know. Yep. I also have never heard a person who bought a house that didn't think it was too expensive when they were buying. It. <laughs> That's the other piece, right? Brandon, you said that in yeah, your story. It's always it's expensive, always like, yeah. This is the most expensive house in town. Yep. I could never, I mean, every single time people say, well, isn't the market going to crash or when it's crashing, isn't it going to go down more? It's all the way down. Well, how long should I wait for it comes back? There's always a reason not to buy real estate. Yep. And even though we're experienced, I tell myself this all the time. I'm looking at new houses now and they're, they're expensive. They're somewhere between 1.5 and 1.8. And I have those same thoughts in my head and I fight every day. Nope. Shut up, David. It's no. when it's worth 3 million, you're not going to be worried about the fact it was worth 1.5. Yep. You know, you just, that's a struggle everyone has to go through in this game. And you just got to remind yourself that holding it for a long period of time is the best thing you could do. Yeah, yeah man. Cool. Chris, where can people find out more about you? They can find me on Spotify if they look up Manifest as far as music-wise or my website, manifest.com, M-A-N-A-F-E-S-T.com. And we're on YouTube, a bunch of our music videos and songs and stuff. And go check out some stuff. Very cool. I also really like your music before we ever interviewed you. I've been yeah. listening to it for a long time, so I'll throw in my Dude. seal of approval there. Yeah, I'm Dude, not going to lie. When I met you in Nashville, I was fangirling a little bit. It's all right. <laughs> I, you know, I might not have made it. Admit, I didn't want to make it seem that way at the time, but I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> call my wife later i'm like you have no idea who i just met so you know it's a big deal uh yeah you're a good musician and a uh, good friend so appreciate you uh the book red to black where do they get it yeah you can go to manifest.com forward slash from red to black or just manifest.com it's free actually just pay the shipping and handling you'll ah. be in our little funnel there or whatever but yeah perfect just, uh want to get this message out there love it dude well thank you Appreciate you yeah, and uh, you appreciate all the help you've given me over the last couple of years of us been talking uh, regularly. It's uh, It's been nice just to get to know you better. Yeah, you too, man. Hope to hope to visit out there and, and hang out. It's been too long. Yeah, yeah. we'll go surfing. You can show me how good you are compared to how bad I am. But yeah, it'll be yeah. fun. I don't, I, 
I don't believe that. <laughs> All right. Take care. David, you want to get us out of here? Thank you very much, Chris. This is David Green for Brandon Fangirl Turner signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.